A blessed Pentecost to you. Pentecost is the 50th day after Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us in his crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. It was on Pentecost, the 50th day, that the Holy Spirit was given to the church, and we see in the stories found in the book of Acts how the Spirit-empowered church began to change the world forever. There are a few interesting points about Pentecost before we turn our attention to our gospel passage from the gospel according to St. John, beginning in the 20th chapter and verse 19. The first is that Pentecost was a holiday that already existed among the Jewish people. The Feast of Weeks, also called Pentecost, was a holiday celebrated on the 50th day after Passover, our connection to the 50th day after the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It was a holiday that included a peace offering, a burnt offering, and a sin offering. The holiday is described in the Bible in the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, which says that a lamb was burned and bread and wine were offered. Interestingly, we see here a foreshadowing of the Eucharist and the sacrificial lamb that is destroyed, followed by the bread and wine being the offering pleasing to the Lord. A personal description of of a Pentecost celebration is told in the second chapter of the book of Tobit. And in the history of the Jewish people, written by the historian Philo, who was alive and writing his history during the Roman occupation of Israel, he records a story about how Pentecost marked the day when an extended battle broke out among the Jews and the Romans. And these stories let us know that Pentecost was a feast where things happened. It is not surprising, therefore, that the Holy Spirit descended on the church and empowered the church and set the church about the business of changing the world on Pentecost. During Pentecost, the Bible tells us that the arrival of the Holy Spirit was like tongues of fire resting on the heads of the apostles and that there was the sound of a roaring wind. For these reasons, the vestments of Pentecost are red and the mitre, the hat, worn by bishops is designed to look like a flame. A few interesting international traditions that are that exist. One in Italy, rose petals are dropped from the ceilings of the churches to represent the descending fire of the Holy Spirit, and in France they blow trumpets during the mass to represent the roaring wind of the Holy Spirit. In our gospel passage for today, we get not the Pentecost because that occurred ten days after the ascension, and the gospel is all about the life of Christ while he is here on earth. But instead, we have a scene of Jesus giving the Holy Spirit to the apostles in a unique way, which teaches us a few important lessons for today. Pentecost basically being the end of the Easter season, we have today an Easter reading with a vision of the Pentecost to come. The scene is Jesus appearing to the disciples, about to be made apostles in the upper room. The scene is familiar to us. The disciples are hiding in fear behind locked doors when Jesus appears to them. The first thing Jesus says is, Peace be with you. The disciples are in a state of fear. Peace be with you. Jesus says again, Peace be with you. The people are in shock and in mourning. Peace be with you. 
Jesus repeatedly says, peace be with you, because Jesus wants his people, he wants us, no matter the stressor, no matter the problem, to trust in his peace. While Jesus is bestowing upon them and blessing them with his peace, he shows them his hands and his side. The wounds from the nails in his hands and where the spear pierced his side. Now in Luke's account of the gospel, Jesus points out the wounds in his feet as well. And between the Luke and the John descriptions, they have been combined in Christian piety to produce what is now known in some among some as a devotion to the five wounds. Jesus' two hands, two feet, and his side being those five wounds. We then move to Jesus giving the apostolic commissioning, the sending of the disciples. This action is what changes them from disciples to apostles, because an apostle is one who is a messenger who has been sent. And it is helpful here to pay attention to the words used. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. This is one of a few passages that indicate the unique role as mediator Jesus holds. Notice, even though each member of the Trinity is fully God, there are individual roles for each. The role of mediator is held by Jesus, and we see that in this passage when Jesus says, As the Father has sent me. Now Jesus did not actually say it out loud, but it is implied by the remainder of the sentence, to you, has sent me to you, as Jesus has sent, as the Father, excuse me, as the Father has sent me to you, I am sending you. Again, there's a bit left off, but it is implied here, and it is said directly elsewhere in the Gospel accounts, I am sending you to the world. As the Father has sent me to you, I am sending you to the world. St. Augustine comments about this by saying, We know the Son to be equal to the Father, but here we recognize the words of the Mediator, for he exhibits himself as occupying a middle position when he says, He, me, and I, you. The other great passage from the Gospel according to John that indicates that Jesus is our Mediator with God the Father is found in chapter 14, beginning in, the verse, beginning in verse 6, where Jesus said, to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In the first passage, our passage for today, Jesus is the mediator bringing God the Father's will to the apostles. In the second passage, the one from chapter 14, Jesus is the mediator bringing humanity to God the Father. Jesus Christ is the one true, full mediator between God and humanity. But now, after the resurrection, the ascension, and the Pentecost, Paul writes in his letters, his epistles, that we are Christ's body on earth. Therefore, as Christians, we assist with and participate in that mediation when we share the gospel, pray for one another, and represent Christ to the world around us. In these ways of cooperating with the mediation of Christ, we become, in a supporting fashion, co-mediators with the one true, full mediator, Jesus.
There is an extension of Jesus' mediation through the apostles and ultimately through those whom they will convert to Christ. And we see that implied in the words of Jesus. As the Father has sent me to you, I am sending you to the world. And when Jesus had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Here we take time to remember that the birth of humanity was brought about by God the Father, breathing the breath of life into the nostrils of Adam. Now, in the Apostolic Commission, Jesus breathed the breath of new life, salvation from sins, upon the apostles. St. Cyril of Alexandria describes it like this, By the death of his own flesh, Jesus slew death and brought humanity back into incorruption. For Christ rose again for us, in order then that we might learn that he it was who at the beginning created our nature and sealed us with the Holy Spirit, our Savior again grants the Spirit through the outward sign of his breath to the holy disciples as being the first fruits of a renewed nature. For Moses writes concerning our creation of old that God breathed into man's nostril the breath of life. As then at the beginning man was formed and came into being, so likewise he is renewed. And as he was then formed in the image of his Creator, so likewise now by the participation in the Spirit he is transformed into the likeness of his Maker. And our passage closes with Jesus telling the apostles, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. St. John Chrysostom explains Jesus' commissioning, stating, As a king sending forth governors gives power to cast into prison and to deliver from it, so in sending these forth, Christ invested them with the same power. One will not be wrong in asserting that they then also received some spiritual power and grace, not as so to raise the dead or to work miracles, but so as to remit sins. For the gift of the Spirit are of different kinds. Wherefore Jesus added, Whosoever sin you remit, they are remitted them, showing what kind of power he was giving. This understanding is confirmed by the modern Lutheran theologian, Joachim Jeremias, who wrote, The authority of the messengers included both the communication of salvation and the imposition of judgment. It is the judge's authority to acquit and to pronounce guilty that is described in this pair of opposites and the synonymous phrases bind and loose and forgive and retain sins. As the pair of opposites are used in Semitic languages to describe the totality, these, word, these pairs of words mean the messengers received total authority. The New Testament theologian and writer of the Anchor Yale Bible Commentary on the Gospel of John works out for us the specific details of the Greek text, explaining that the way Jesus' words are phrased, they are best understood as meaning, when you forgive men's sin, at that moment God forgives those sins and they remain forgiven. On the last day God will confirm the remission and that conversely, the unremitted sins will be held until the final judgment day. This is one distinct way that priests today are cooperating with the mediation of Christ, being the human voice of Christ's forgiveness of sins confessed and repented of, so that the penitent does not have to worry, 
does not have to second guess, does not have to wonder if God forgives him or her. When we hear, I absolve you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we can, in the words I grew up hearing attached to evangelistic altar calls, know that you know that you know that you are forgiven your sins. And with our sins forgiven, we can each celebrate a personal Pentecost as new life is breathed into us. Amen.